Namaste and welcome to Detours with me Anuradha Goyal where I talk to some very interesting personalities about journeys of all kinds. Today I'm going to take you to a small little Himalayan kingdom of Bhutan uh, and we can't get a better person to speak about it then our current ambassador to bhutan uh, ruchira kambodji uh, i have been connected with ruchira ji for a few years now uh, when she was posted uh, i think we connected when she was posted at uh, unesco in paris as india's permanent representative there and i remember we uh, kind of joined in a celebration when nalanda and chandigarh were uh, inscribed by unesco and i know she has worked on many many sites to be inscribed by unesco so welcome ruchira ji thank you so much anuradha and may i reciprocate the warm sentiments um i'm equally delighted to be in your program and you're absolutely right i think we have known each other virtually yes. since uh, my unesco days which was from 2014 to 2017 and uh, i have always admired your passion and the depth of your knowledge Uh, as far as our rich cultural heritage goes and i also feel that every indian should be very proud of who they are and to which great country and civilization they belong to and uh, i think you represent that great heritage so beautifully so congratulations and i'm delighted to be in your program thank you so much uh, ruchira ji i visited bhutan about uh, 13 years ago when it was Uh, still a kingdom it was yet to go to its first elections and i carry a very very uh, warm uh, memory of it you know it it's a very mystical place it's almost like a place sitting in the folds of himalayas and holding many little stories so we are going to request you to show us some of those gems uh, of bhutan uh and let's start with my favorite question you know how old is bhutan how long have people been living in this country and what are some of the oldest things that we can see in bhutan no thank you anuradha for that very interesting question i think uh, history is often the best place to start if you want to get to know something very well and nations and countries are no different so as far as bhutan goes um let me say that the date 19 07 mm-hmm. is a very important date uh, over 100 years ago that was when the monarchy of bhutan as we know the monarchy of bhutan was first established uh, with the enthronement of the first hereditary monarch of bhutan mm-hmm. uh, the drup yalpo gongsar ugen wongcho and that was when in 1907 when he was crowned the first king of bhutan the temporal and secular administration was consolidated and unified under his majesty and um he needless to say he united the nation secured stability uh, ensured domestic tranquility and strengthened the friendship and cooperation between bhutan and british india so mm-hmm. i suppose uh, you could say that the seeds of bhutan as a nation state mm-hmm. uh, as we know bhutan today was sown in 1907 with the mm-hmm. election of the first hereditary monarch mm-hmm. and if you look at it this bore fruit a century later when in 2008 uh, bhutan adopted its constitution and is today as we know the country both a monarchy and a constitutional democracy so i think um, 
that is uh, the history of Bhutan in a nutshell. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. to the second part of your question, I think that's very interesting. What are the oldest things I think you said that one yes, can see yes, in Bhutan? Yes. So, you know, uh, just like India, mm-hmm. Bhutan or the Dragon, Dragon Kingdom or Drukyul, as yes. it's known, is a country with an immensely rich cultural heritage. And what is remarkable about Bhutan, that as they have modernized over time, you know, they ended the isolationism in 1999. And today they are also a modern country. It's a new Bhutan that we see. And I certainly hope that you will come to Bhutan next year when COVID is behind us, hopefully. This country, despite having one foot forward Mm -hmm. and very much in sync with the fast-changing times that we live in, has also maintained, and and not only maintained, but strengthened its unique identity. And so, you know, at every nook, corner, and cranny of Bhutan, you will get to see mesmerizing antique and unique and beautiful Bhutanese architectural grandeur. Now, this could be exhibited in the form of zones or fortresses, monasteries for which the country is well known, chortans or stupas, lakhangs or temples, and of course, traditional Bhutanese homes. And, um, you know, you look at, let me take one example, the Simtokha Zong. It is located Mm -hmm. in Pimpu. It was Bhutan's first song built in the 17th century and important also because last year when Prime Minister Narendra Modi ji came to Bhutan on a state visit, mm-hmm. you know, uh, he loaned or gifted to them the beautiful statue of Shatrun Navang Namgyal. Uh, mm-hmm. This is a loan from the government and people of India to the government and people of Bhutan. And this is a statue in a beautiful song, the first song. It is the pride of the Bhutanese. So that is one tiny example of something very old and very beautiful that you see. Then, of course, the famous Taksang Monastery, mm-hmm. popularly known as Tiger's Nest. Yes. I think uh, anyone who comes to Bhutan must visit this beautiful and splendid place, as I've done myself. Yes. Then there is the National Museum of Bhutan, located at Paro, or the Iron Bridge, located at, uh, located at uh, Tamchok Lakhang in Paro. So these are some of the very old things that you see here, which are beautifully, um, you know, sort of um, managed and maintained by the Bhutanese. In fact, they are a must visit for any Indian tourist visiting or any tourist for that matter, visiting Bhutan. Then, of course, there is this uh, National Institute for Zurich Chuzum, which maintains the cultural heritage and legacy of the 13 arts and crafts of Bhutan. This is located in Thimpu. And um, I must tell you, uh, it's a beautiful place because it showcases the 13 traditional arts and crafts of Bhutan. So this is just to give you a very small flavor of some of the oldest things that you can see, whether these are zongs or monasteries or stupas or temples or traditional Bhutanese um, architecture. Also, Anuradha, I want to mention to you that, you know, the constitution of Bhutan also prescribes and accords importance to the preservation and promotion of Bhutan's cultural heritage. That I find very fascinating because that gives it an institutional framework. So to be very specific, Section 1 of Article 4 of the Constitution of Bhutan uh, accords importance to the preservation and promotion of Bhutan's cultural heritage, cultural life, and objects of artistic value and interest. Not only that, I must tell you that it seeks to promote the tangible and intangible arts with additional components that also include the famous mass dance of Bhutan. I'm sure you've heard of the famous mass dance dance of Bhutan. 
very quickly to tell you, since this is also one of the oldest things, um, the mass dance of the Dramatse community is a sacred dance performed during the uh, Dramatse festival in honor of Guru Padma Sambhava, who is regarded as the second Buddha in Bhutan, right, and right. was also, by the way, inscribed by UNESCO in yes, 2008 yes. on the representative list of the intangible cultural heritage of humanity. So I think in a nutshell, these are some of the oldest things that you would see in this beautiful, very unique and, um, you know, a country, a country with which India has very special relations. And I think any tourist uh, coming to Bhutan must read a little bit about Bhutan's history and culture. You'll be very impressed. And I think then you will enjoy the country much more. Uh I remember visiting the National Museum in Paro, and if I'm not wrong, it's uh, built in a very unique uh, conch shell shaped, in a shank yes. shape. Uh, yes. I, and that's what stands out in my memory. And to me, a Bhutan is something which is very well rooted in its own culture, even when it's looking at the future and it's assimilating all that is happening in the world, which is something not many countries, uh, especially in Asia, have managed to do to stay extremely rooted in their own culture. And that's something probably Bhutan can teach the world. I think that's an excellent point that you've made. And I fully agree with you. And I think, I mean, ideally, that's how one should be, because one has to contemporize, one yes. has to live in the present. But at the same time, it is your root that makes you what you are. So how can you not uh, remember that? And how can you not present it with an immense amount of pride. So I think you're absolutely right. Bhutan does that beautifully. And because you talked about the National Museum of Bhutan located at Paro, I think it's a very unique structure. Yes. And just recently, actually, it has been modernized and it has reopened to the public. And India was associated with this project. I'm so happy to tell you. And we supported them in this project. And the current uh, version of the National Museum is so beautiful. And not just the unique structure as you very rightly mentioned but the way the exhibits have been uh, showcased is i think uh, quite beautiful so to every Even india through your program i will say please visit the national museum of bhutan it's located at paro and just as you get off yes. the flight because the airport is in paro beautiful yes. paro city um, you know it's not very far it's just a hop skip and jump away yes Yes, and Paro is such a lovely city. Uh, you know, it's just an airport and a and, and a and a lane, probably. If it if it has not grown uh, too big. No, it has. It has. I think you have to come to Bhutan. Uh, Paro is a very beautiful city, and uh, not just the airport, but you get to see all their various, uh, you know, um, uh, cultures showcased so beautifully. And now, uh, since there's so much happening in Bhutan, there's some very beautiful hotels also. You know, yes. there are. Some luxury hotels also and uh, the Indian tourist will never be disappointed if he or she decides to make Paro the base. Great. Uh, so let's talk about the India and Bhutan relationship. I mean we know that we share a very very strong uh, a, a neighborhood and as well as a cultural uh, relationship with Bhutan uh, but how old is it? When did it actually start? Uh, uh, was Bhutan ever a part of larger Indian territory or has it always been independent? Yes, no, thank you, Anuradha. Good question. Uh, you are absolutely right. In fact, you've answered the question in some ways, fully, I would say. A very short answer, but very apt. Uh, Bhutan has always been independent. You're absolutely mm -hmm. right. It's always been proudly independent and that's what it remains till this day. Mm 
Mm-hmm. And yes, the second part of the question, what is this uh, relationship, the special relationship between Bhutan and India? You're absolutely right. It's uniquely special. Bhutan is a very dear and close friend of India. Our two countries have cooperated uh, over the years, over the decades, in diverse sectors. And today, I think our relationship stands at a point where it is uh, an example to the rest of the world, if I may say so, in terms of how two neighbors are uh, living together in harmony and close friendship and uh, cooperating closely for uh, the uh, benefit of uh, each other. Uh, to take you again a little back into history, it was in the late 1950s when the first Prime Minister of India mm-hmm. had travelled to Bhutan. Uh, that was a historic visit, half by foot, half by uh, 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 half travelling on a yak, uh, when he had been received by His Majesty, the third King of Bhutan. And that visit laid the framework of the relationship as we see it today. And over the years, this relationship has grown it has been nurtured by the wise Druk Yalpos of Bhutan, the monarchy of Bhutan, and also by successive leaders uh, uh, from India. And uh, I must uh, come immediately down to the present. Since 2014, uh, uh, the relationship has been on a sharp upward trajectory. Prime Minister Narendra Modi ji had visited Bhutan in uh, 2014, all of you know, all of your listeners know that yes. this was his first foreign visit after he assumed uh, office. Uh, uh, office. And again, in 2019, he almost repeated it repeated that when Bhutan was among his very first foreign visits abroad. So right. I think a signal from the prime minister at the topmost level sends such a powerful message. And I think that is a statement in itself. Right. The importance that India attaches to its relationship with Bhutan. And likewise, from Bhutan end, the spirit has been reciprocated because uh, the Prime Minister of uh, Bhutan in 2018, uh, His Excellency Dr. Lote Shering, also visited mm-hmm. India, uh, his first foreign country, immediately after he assumed office. He was also in India in 2019 uh, in May uh, when Prime Minister Modi ji was sworn in for a second time. And also, I must add that the foreign minister of India, Dr. Jay Shankar, made Bhutan his first foreign visit immediately after he assumed the uh, office of the foreign minister of India. So you can see that at a political level, our two countries are extremely close and this relationship has been nurtured over the years. And then if you look at the various levels of any relationship, political, economic, trade, uh, culture, people to people, science and technology, space science and technology, financial technology integration, this relationship has grown. And today it stands at a place where I think we can, um, I think, say absolutely unequivocally that Bhutan is a very dear friend and partner of India. There's absolutely, uh, there's absolute faith and trust in the relationship. And I think importantly also, uh, the people to people contacts are very rich and special. You have a large number of um, Bhutanese students studying in India. Right. And, and, and that is the maximum number of uh, Bhutanese students, students are in India. And even as Bhutan has, uh, you know, um, grown over the years and many of its uh, youth also study in other countries, but India still remains a preferred destination. What and about the happy. spiritual ties? You know, I mean, Bhutan is a primarily Buddhist country and uh, we know, you know, the eastern part of India is where the Buddhism was kind of uh, 
born uh, um, the Gautam Buddha, spiritual ties that India and Bhutan share? Yeah, I think um, I'm glad you raised that question because had you not done it, I would have done it myself. I think what really uh, is very striking and very important and links our two countries in this important bond are the spiritual ties. Um, everyone knows the story about Siddharth Gautam, uh, Buddha. And, uh, uh, you know, Buddhism traveled from India also mm -hmm. to Bhutan. And importantly, uh, everyone would also know, uh, your listeners would also know the story about the second Buddha, or Guru Padma Sambhava, as he's known. Yes. So very quickly, let me say that Guru Padma Sambhava was an Indian saint, mm -hmm. and he's popularly, uh, popularly revered as Guru Rinpoche in Bhutan. And uh, I think perhaps many of your listeners, and you certainly would know about uh, his birth. Um, it is widely believed that he was born on a lotus blossom mm -hmm. floating in Lake Dhanakosha in the kingdom of Udiana, present-day Odisha. Mm -hmm. And uh, then in the 8th century of the many places that the great Guru visited, Bhutan is the most important place visited by Guru Rinpoche. Mm -hmm. And uh, in modern day times, let me tell you that Guru Rinpoche is regarded as one of the patron saints of Bhutan. And he has a huge impact on the lives of the Bhutanese people from the time they are born till the time of their death. And... Uh, Therefore, I think this bond, this linkage between India and Bhutan, the people of India and the people of Bhutan is so very special. Because not only you have uh, Siddharth Gautam, uh, Buddhism, uh, but you also have the second Buddha, Guru Rinpoche, as he's known, who was born in India, who traveled to Bhutan, and today is one of the greatest names that you will hear in Bhutan. So um, his statue can be found in many homes and monasteries, and from the first prayers, uh, to toddlers mumble to grand state festivals, from fleeting dreams of hermits to formidable public monuments, Guru Rinpoche forms the focus of Bhutanese spirituality and religious culture. And I think this bond, mm -hmm. I think, must be mentioned um, in your program, uh, something that links our two countries um, so closely. That, you know, um, in 2018, we had done an excellent project here in the embassy. I can't help but bring it forward, where we had brought out a book titled Padma Sambhava of Udiana. Wow. And we had translated this from English to Zonka, the national language of Bhutan, as you know. Beautiful. And it was launched on 9th January at the Royal University of Bhutan. And as much as I could, because, you know, it was a project which had a limited number of books, as much as I could, I have distributed this book in Zonka to my Bhutanese friends and colleagues and to the best of my knowledge, they really appreciated this book that serves to highlight this great spiritual linkage that we have between our two countries. Yes, and what I remember of Bhutan, I remember it as a very spiritual space. You know, you can you can see people moving around with a prayer wheel in their hands, which is continuously being rotated uh, from yes. prayer wheels almost everywhere you go, you know, whether it's a hotel or whether it's a temple, whether it's a monastery, you always have a prayer wheel. I remember one place I saw a prayer wheel being moved by water, you know, it, it somewhere. Yeah, we have one in our embassy. It's so beautiful. Prayer wheel being moved by water. Yes. And uh, absolutely right. I think this is ubiquitous. It is everywhere. Actually, spirituality is in the air. Yes. So I tell your listeners that, you know, Bhutan is not, uh, tourism in Bhutan is not the usual tourism you do. Yes. Where you go and you see monuments and take pictures in front. 
that's also beautiful and you must do that wherever you go but this is a country to be experienced it's in the air it is everywhere you've got to feel it also that spirituality yes. when you go to the monasteries in lakhans as anuradha is saying and uh, spend a minute just don't be in a rush right uh, it's a, it's a special kind of tourism yes in fact bhutan is the first place where i actually entered inside a monastery i think it's on the outskirts of thimphu there is a yes. monastery i just walked in and they just invited me in and uh, offered me their butter tea and yes. we had a conversation i spoke with a lot of those lamas in whatever language we could but yes. uh, it it's an experience that stays with me because that was the first time i entered inside a buddhist monastery and saw what it looks like from inside Uh, it's very beautiful i'm sure you'll yes, agree yes yes it is very beautiful it's a, but more than the physical beauty like you say it's the uh, it's the energy that spiritual energy that you absorb yes. in that place which uh, stays with you yes. another important thing that i noticed uh, of course this is an old uh, memory is the bhutanese textiles yes very very yes. unique tradition and if i remember i saw a, a loom in almost every home or a shop people would Correct. Uh, yes. uh, weave their uh, thing, and you know it's a small country. Uh, there are not too many cloth shops, uh, you know, so to say. But there is a textile museum, which means they really yes. value their textile tradition. And when you go into that museum, even though it's a small museum, but it showcases the textile tradition so beautifully. No, I would agree with you. I mean, and let me congratulate you. You are. knowledge of bhutan is already quite deep and uh, you are absolutely right um firstly the fact that you mentioned that you know uh, it's a common sight you're right anuradha in bhutan to see every home with a handloom yes and uh, every region has its own weaving traditions and designs but uh, the lunsi uh, region the eastern region of bhutan mm -hmm. which also happens to be the ancestral home of the royal family is perhaps the most renowned when it comes to textiles and weaving and i will fully agree with you that bhutanese textiles represent a very rich and complex repository of a unique art form and you know what's unique about it the abundance of color yes application and the variation of pattern and also the intricate dyeing and weaving techniques i think right. that really stands out i mean they are smashing absolutely um they 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 weaves and the beautiful colors just like india you know we are such uh, a country with such vibrant color and the other yes. thing that i can tell you i think that might please some of our listeners is that the weavers are mostly women yes <laughs> and uh, you know they are so innovative and their artistic skills are so highly developed they've been nurtured over centuries of time that it's such a pleasure um to to um uh, witness or even purchase something and yes. If I remember, if I remember correctly, I was told that uh, uh, most people weave their own clothes, uh, so they would yeah. weave and wear it. You know, so there is no uh, real trade commerce. It's not really woven as a as a business. It's woven more to wear yourself. No, you're absolutely right. But with a little change, of course, you're right that the earliest known textiles were woven out of fabrics. Yes. Uh, yeah. uh, and incidentally, those were obtained from the nettle grass. an animal hair especially that of yak and sheep yes as you can imagine uh, with time and modernization and with the introduction of synthetic fabrics and dyes you know in the market people mm -hmm. largely chose uh, these synthetic products you know as it happens in india too also 
you know, because uh, the other one in ancient, in older times was a long and laborious process. Um, so, you know, it was easier, I guess. Yes. However, interesting to see how the wheel of time moves. Right. Today, as people become more health conscious, they have gone back to prefer the organic dyes and fabrics over the synthetic ones. Right. It's so, a circle which has come back. Yeah, circle, no? So the age-old practice of Bhutanese textiles is still in vogue. Right. So I think right. that is so beautiful. It's a part of their rich culture and tradition, as you have yourself mentioned. Just yesterday, mm-hmm. you know, uh, the Indian Council of Cultural Relations uh, had held a, a webinar on yes. uh, weaving uh, on textile, tra- uh, textile traditions across the globe. And guess what? I mean, no surprises. Bhutan featured in that webinar, uh, led by the ICR. The Honorable Prime Minister, of course, uh, you know, of India, uh, provided the inaugural address. And uh, we had the immense privilege of the Royal Queen Mother of Bhutan, uh, you know, the Her Majesty, uh, um, you know, uh, who spoke about the rich royal traditions of Bhutan. And there was also a very modern designer who came in the subsequent sessions, who also spoke about Bhutan's rich uh, textile tradition. So whoever heard that webinar would have been privy to uh, the fantastic knowledge that they gave. And also last year, I did something very interesting here in Bhutan with the Royal Textile Academy that you have visited, which is such a beautiful building, um, and with the Khadi Village Industries Commission. So the Chairman Khadi Village Industries Commission and the Fashion Design Council of India, together with the Royal Textile Academy, we did a fashion show actually using Adi and Thazo. Thazo is Bhutanese weaving and uh, bringing in models from India and Bhutan to showcase uh, both Khadi and Thazo because it coincided with Mahatma Gandhi's birthday. And it was such a wonderful event and it wove in both Khadi and Thazo. So you had Indian models and Bhutanese model wearing Khadi uh, creations and half of it was Thazo, which is a Bhutanese um, uh, rich weaving techniques and it was a beautiful show something we won't forget for a long time and Her Majesty the Royal Queen Mother Ashi uh, Sanki Chodan Wongchuk had graced that um, uh, and she speaks very beautifully I've heard her speak at I think Jaipur Literature Festival yes she yes yes very beautifully she had extended her royal patronage to this event also so okay. we were blessed and very fortunate and uh, I think this is something that when you're Listeners come to Bhutan as and when, and if they do, they should visit the Royal Textile Academy. It's beautiful. Yes, they, they should. They should. Okay, I'm going to wrap it up by asking you to tell us quickly about a couple of important festivals of Bhutan and also uh, your personal experience of living in Bhutan, coming from one of the most populated countries to living in one of the tiniest countries in the world. Okay, no, uh, good questions, all of them. No, as far as my own experience goes, you know, I I feel very privileged. I feel very honored uh, that I'm the current Indian ambassador to Bhutan. Uh, For us, as I've already told you, it's a very special, uniquely special relationship that has only grown over the years. And uh, it is such an immense honor to be the Indian ambassador in Bhutan. I think one thing I can say straight away that when you uh, come to Bhutan from India, what strikes you immediately is, how beautiful is small. So I think that is the first thing that struck me. And then what struck me was, you know, the Bhutanese people, they are a very disciplined people. And they are also a very unified people. And they are a very soft people. 
and they are a very friendly people. I think, Anuradha, you would have experienced all of this yourself? Yes, yes. And uh, I, I came pretty much in pre-mobile phone, pre-internet yeah, era. Uh, yeah. So it was even more warm. And there were a lot of surprises. Today, you can see a lot of pictures before you go. But yeah. I had no idea what it looks like when I landed there. And I just landed there on a whim. And I, no, I drove via road. So I came via Funchilong oh, and... Uh, uh, so I wanted to fly see. in. Yeah. This I time you fly. must fly in because you yeah. have the beautiful landing at Paru Airport. It's yes. mesmerizing. Yes. Yes. And one more thing about Bhutanese people that struck me coming from a country uh, such as ours, which is a big country, is how spiritual they are. Yes. They are a very spiritual spiritual people also. And uh, religion plays a very important part in their lives. And I think what really will stay with me forever is how disciplined and how unified they are and how beautifully culture unites the whole nation. And uh, of course, it's a very unique model because you have a very enlightened monarchy. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, it's also a very pro-service, pro-people monarchy. And of course, at the same time, you have a constitutional democracy. So it's a beautiful model. It's a beautiful country to witness and to be in. And uh, I don't need to tell you to come to Bhutan. I know India sends a lot of tourists into Bhutan, but it's, 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 it's a... It's a in your lifetime, once yes. at least. I, I do remember people saying they were very happy with the king. They were very happy. They did not yet understand what democracy is and how is it yes. going to change their world um, yeah. uh, in what way. They, they had no idea, but they were all very happy for the king. And I think absolutely. somewhere they were always blessing the king. You are absolutely spot on. I don't think I need to add anything beyond this. And that remains the case today also. And as far as the festivals, uh, there's one thing that I can add, which might have been left out. They have very tasty cuisine also. Yes. So, um, you know, something that we Indians can also um, identify with. So the national dish, dish is the emadatsi or the chili cheese. It's very delicious when eaten with rice. So I think many Indians would love that. They grow a lot of rice and they grow a lot of maize. And also, you know, some of the traditional um, uh, grains um, yes. which is called uh, the nine basic crops or drunagu, rice, wheat, barley, peas, buckwheat, millet, mustard, and soybeans. So um, this is very nice. And you'll find many, many restaurants in Bhutan serving Bhutanese cuisine, but also international cuisine. So yes. continental, Chinese, there'll be no dearth of that. And uh, as Anuradha mentioned herself, there is the very special butter tea or suja, as they call it. And it's really worth uh, trying at least once, if not several times in case you take to it immediately. And uh, as far as their music and festivals, you know, they have the mass dances, they have a lot of traditional songs and dances, and um, it's really beautiful. I myself have participated as ambassador, you know, <laughs> in some uh, community dances, and I've greatly enjoyed it. Um, uh, so do do that if you come and visit. Yes, and, and in fact, uh, choose. Yeah, in fact, I was... Uh, not I didn't uh, visit at the time of a festival, uh, okay. but I uh, I was visit I was reading my own blogs that I had written way back in 2007 before I started this conversation, and I remember I uh, I have written that the best pizza that I've ever had in my life was in Thimphu. Oh, no, you're right. In By a way, place, in a small place <laughs> called Seasons. I don't know if no, she's still because... around. It, no, Seasons is very much there. And I will second you on this. They, they, the best pizza I've had in Bhutan is in a restaurant called Cloud Nine. Okay. Um, 
delicious, fresh, because everything is so organic. Mm -hmm. And one more thing I just want to add, uh, sports, because, you know, sports are so fun. Yes, yes. part of the cultural landscape of a country. So Bhutan's national sport is archery. Did you know that? Yes, yes. I have seen them practicing that. Yeah, it's very entertaining to watch. Yes. It's very passionate. And then, you know, they also have the dart or the kuru, uh, which is uh, part of their tradition and culture. But at the same time, as I said, one foot forward also. So modern sports such as football, cricket, golf, tennis, badminton, volleyball are also encouraged. And cricket, I'm happy to say they have a women's cricket team. Wow. They're doing very well. Yeah. So, um, you know, it's a very uh, beautiful and unique country. You know, that has one foot forward, but one foot very firmly, as you yourself said, rooted uh, in their uh, immensely rich uh, tradition. And you culture. know, as, as our Indian tradition uh, says that the more rooted you are, the more you flourish. Absolutely. I the deeper your roots are, the well. more you flourish. And uh, Bhutan is a living example of Outstanding that. Outstanding example. Outstanding and, example. And also that they wear their culture on the sleeve. You know, they are not yes. shy of uh, their own culture, their own mm -hmm. religion. They are proud of it, actually. They are proud they're of it proud. and they wear it. They wear it. In fact, we should, probably we are running out of time, but the yes. next one, we, we didn't even touch on their national dress, which is so beautiful. You can talk colors. about it. That's okay. You can quickly yeah, as in a well, minute. You might have seen pictures and you've seen Anuradha when you've come. So yes. the women wear this beautiful long skirt called the Kira and on top they wear a short very smart jacket called the Tego. It's beautiful. Yes. Such yes. beautiful colors and um, they all look so lovely and nice and the men wear the Go uh, yes. and they look also very dashing and debonair okay. and um, they wear it on all, you know, they wear it on all uh, sort of public uh, uh, formal locations and they wear it so beautifully and proudly it's quite a sight to behold and right. um, I think that's so nice it's pretty much like we Indian women uh, in formal uh, occasions wear the sari which is right. uh, very much a part of our beautiful heritage and right. also I think uh, on a day-to-day -day basis I think Indian women uh, wear the shalwar kurta uh, again uh, in the workplace so we also wear our uh, heritage to the workspace because as Anuradha has put it so beautifully that, you know, you go nowhere if you don't respect your own culture and right. your tradition. And if you want the world to respect your culture, you have to first respect it yourself. Absolutely. And I think Bhutan's a shining example of that. Absolutely. As is Absolutely. India now. I'm so happy. As is India, yes. Happy in India do you wear a sari normally or do you wear the shalwar kurta more often? Uh, I now wear saris uh, for all formal events. Oh, yes, we all do that. For but when I'm traveling, it's more of comfort uh, depending on where you are. Yes, yes, I think the shalwar kurta is a very good uh, uh, halfway point between uh, you know the formal dress and yet not wearing a western attire. Yes. Ruchiraji, thank you so much for taking us on a tour of Bhutan, both in a temporal way uh, from its history to current day, and also taking us across various sights and sounds of Bhutan. And I hope you'll come back with another, uh, come back for another episode uh, on some other aspects of Bhutan or wherever you go in your next assignment. Well, if your viewers will have me and if they haven't got too bored, certainly. Definitely. Thank you so much. Thank you, Anuradha. All the best to you and greetings to all my friends uh, from India. Thank you. Thank you for joining us on Detours. You can also join us on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. Our handle is Inditales, I-N-D-I-T-A-L-E-S. 
See you soon. Bye.